Hi, and welcome to Unapologetic Women, a podcast about current affairs, culture, politics, life, and how we got here. Brought to you by Tony and Saoirse. We have a... Is this, by the way, is this our last episode? Feels like it is. Yes. Yeah? (laughs) Executive decision. Yes. Okay. It's hot out. Um, Summer break? Yeah. Summer summer hiatus, as we said last time. Summer hiatus. Well, in that case, I think we have... There's a perfect story from last week um, that came out that I think is a perfect, like, tie to bring us full circle, it feels like, Mm. from pulling on to the thread of the conversation we had last week, which we ended up closing it out with athletes. Should they have a voice? Should their opinion matter? Should it get politicised? What does that middle ground look like when athletes speak up about politics? And we can talk more about that. But the story that arised was around Naomi Osaka, who is a 23-year-old, brilliant female athlete, sports player, um, tennis player. I know very little about tennis, but I wasn't... said Great. (laughs) Glad we established that. Um, Wimbledon, like... That's it, French Open. Strawberries and cream. Great. Um, For anyone who is a tennis player, I apologise in advance. She had an, a lot to say and it unraveled to be a very interesting story. For those of you who are not familiar with the story, she is a fe- she's a female tennis player. She put out an Instagram post and shared that she wanted basically to opt out of the press free- briefings and she was doing it for her mental health um, because she later on explained that she had suffered from anxiety and panic attacks since 2018. And what emerged was that they basically, they being the French Open find her and said that they would boot her out if she didn't do the press briefings and that was part of her duties and she explains that the press briefings yeah. these questions were very personal it was always about criticizing her sister comparing her sister as a tennis player to her the it was always the same and she got and she's not a public speaker and she got massive anxiety and she instead actually later on pulled out completely and said, you know what, this has turned into a circus. It's not what I expect- expected it to. It's not what I had intended. Bear in mind that she's a 23-year-old athlete. And she graciously just said, I'm stepping back and I want people to focus on the actual match and the tennis, the tennis tournament at play here. And she basically bowed out of this. A couple of things came up for me was, well actually let me pause here and I've got a question to you is when you hear this story do you think and I might be biased in my question but are these tennis players or any athletes is that part of their duty to be a public speaker and to give x amount of time to represent the sport because that is what creates awareness or do you think these confines are antiquated and belong in the past I think there is a role that anyone who plays any type of sport that they have in promotion of the sport. Mm. I think it's going to vary depending on the individual type. I don't believe that anyone should be forced to do it. Um, However, I do also know that they go into contractual agreements with either the entity that is the sport. So if it's FIFA, if it's UEFA, whatever it is, or with mm. sponsors. And so I just have a hard time in the like, I didn't know it was going to be like that. Her manager could be a sack of shit and didn't explain what it was 110%. But I do believe that as someone who plays the sport, you have a role in that. You may not have like, there are different levels on football teams. 
David Beckham. Everyone in the world knows who the fuck David Beckham is. Wayne Rooney. A lot of people know who he is, but not as many. Do you, so here's a question then, which because I've got various thoughts on this, but I was just thinking, okay, this excuse that these press conferences are what actually helps create awareness around the sport. I was just thinking, well, hold on a minute. In the age of social media, actually, these press conferences have very little to do with boosting awareness around the sport. It's not actually that press conference and these what comes out of it. Um, what comes out of it is generally very either very gossipy and like feeds into that clickbait era of guess you'll never believe what she said completely take or he said completely taken out of context. But I also yeah. feel that these athletes today have way more power than they ever had of they don't need the media anymore to tell their own personal story and their own personal journey they can actually do that directly with their fans and their followers but there's something go go for it but that's the other piece they have their own individual fan base when you whether or not you want it when you step into a role and we've talked about this from a political lens, when you step into that role where you could be a role model, you can be on a poster on a child's wall. An ambassador for something. You have a responsibility to answer questions from the public. Just like point blank. And so my argument to that, which I have to the media who's like, how dare she, yada, yada. And if, and most athletes, you see, you get a lot of this in Formula One where you can see the drivers go, are you fucking kidding me with these? Like, are you fucking kidding me with these questions? Is do better. I think there's an opportunity oh, yeah. right now from the media perspective of saying, if athletes are seeing this as a burden, do not enjoy this. There's a difference between I'm not comfortable, I get anxiety doing this, but I still find your questions kind of exciting or interesting and I might just not fully enjoy it. And there's another one, of, there's another part of this, what she is saying is they are personal they are mm-hmm. they are pointed. They these are questions that are asked with answers already built in in mind. That it feels like I'm being trapped. Then do better. Um, and I always yeah. think of the parallel with I can't remember which um, British politician had said um, it's not because I'm a politician that my whole life is up for grabs and up for debate. I am in the public eye, but my family is not. Uh, my family is off. And so it feels a little bit of that as well, of where are the boundaries and where do you draw yeah. them? Well, and I think, I again, I don't know tennis well enough, so I'll speak from it from a football lens. An individual player, like I, I believe that tennis doesn't have teams. <laughs> I know that much. So I think you might be right. <laughs> like I said. Right? So like an individual human who is a part of a team in football can have their own massive profile. Yeah. Or they can kind of come inward and and do the job every Saturday, go out and play football and aren't attracted by the press or the press aren't attracted to them. I don't know how that works in tennis in terms of like, are people interviewing the coaches? Are they really excited about the people who are playing 10 leagues behind a Serena Williams, right? Like, I just don't know how that operates. I have a feeling that something has shifted in that probably 10, 15 years ago, the tennis player would have needed the media to boost their profile, to get the sponsors and to build a name and a brand around themselves. Whereas now that's not the true, that's not, that's not true. But I see the same parallel in F1, but F1, just like whatever the tennis league is, actually still needs that and the media 
and these players to bring awareness to the sport as a whole. And so I think that's what I'm, and I do think that they are clinging on to something that makes sense, but they're clinging on to a process or a, or a system that is a relic of the past, i.e. these press conferences where they're assigned, and in F1, it's very much the case, there are very few media accreditations given out. It's probably the same fucking journalists who've been there for 15 years. Digital, I've seen very few digital journalists in the press briefing rooms because they don't believe in that. There's still like a disdain for the social and the digital era. They haven't caught up yet. So there's something interesting happening there as well. Um, so I, there's like a power dynamic yeah. that it feels like the athletes don't no longer need the press to boost their brand. But actually, these are somewhat archaic institutions still very much need these these formats. I, I think press briefings serve a purpose. What do you think that purpose is? Is It's a public announcement. Transparency. Like a transfer window in football. These are the 12 players that we've bought. This is how much the club has spent. This is why we spent it. These are four of the players. Get to know them. Right? Like it's a vehicle at which information can be... It's the same in... Exactly the same as politics. Press briefings serve that purpose. These are the 12 things that happened today. Ask me questions about them. I don't know what it is like in tennis... The thing that I always had an issue with in F1 is, isn't it crazy that they've just raced for two hours? The sport is so demanding that sometimes they lose like five kilos of water. And right after they finish racing, they go straight into three hours of briefings. And I'm just like, that is the, the worst time, surely, to be asking these drivers to be focused and be with you in the press briefing. But I guess it's similarly in politics. It's like when a big event happens, you don't, you can't take 24 hours to just rest and get back into it. Well, and where we are here, so like when we're thinking about individuals in sports, we'll call it, I can't, I can't not talk about Marcus Rashford. Tell, tell us, Um, who is he? Why is he relevant here? Marcus Rashford is a player for Man United, uh, young, God, I'm gonna, I want to say he's 21, 20, baby. Um, However, in, he's always been a great player. Um, like a part of the club, Marcus Rashford. He's 23. There we go. Okay. Um, so same age as Naomi Osaka. Oh my God, yeah, actually. Mm. Fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but born and raised in Manchester, was, you know, came up through Manchester's youth. And during COVID, he became an advocate, an ally, a spokesperson for children who were not getting school meals. when it was closed and he created awareness he actually ran programs to get meals to children like he wasn't just the talking mouth there are a lot of kind of you know funny we'll call it memes around marcus rashford actually providing meals more so than boris johnson or any of the people actually you know supposed to be doing that Um, whose sole job is to do that that, yeah that's their actual like job this lad was playing football and was like cool I remember being hungry as a child because I relied on school meals and he did it in this really beautiful way of storytelling. And he shared his story with hunger and his story of not knowing when meals would come during the half term because he wasn't at school and his family were at work. And it was just so powerful to see someone who were, who is like in in England is like you know very famous very very wealthy very good at what he does in football Mm. stand on stage 
i.e. Yeah. in his living room. Use his platform. Being recorded. Yeah. Um, and share just openly and make the demands and actually create an advocacy campaign around mm. getting kids meals. And I don't think Marcus Rashford ever woke up one morning and was like, I'm going to be a politician today. I think it just struck a chord with him so personally that he was able to change the game for kids all across the UK because he gave a shit and therefore politicians then decided to listen to him. He was invited into a conversation in Downing Street on his recommendations. Like, it was just so powerful to see an individual who a lot of people will write off. He's a footballer. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. He's a kid. Stay in your He's lane. 23. Exactly. Stay in your lane. You're a, you're a kid. What, what are you on about? He changed the game for kids who were hungry during the coronavirus pandemic. And that, to me, is the power that you can hold without realising as an athlete who wants to be in the public eye, who wants to be in the conversation. Ooh, there's so many things here. That was one of the things that struck me with Naomi Osaka is that she very specifically said, is just like, I'm very good at one thing. I'm a very good tennis player. I'm phenomenal at this. I'm not a good public speaker. I have anxiety at this. And what you are asking of me is basically, what she is saying by being very vulnerable and honest and storytelling yeah. is what you are asking of me is a lot. And I'm ill-prepared and I'm not in the best state to do that. Whereas there's others, to your point, who might be naturally called and saying, fuck it, I can't stay silent. I have a platform. I'm going to use it for good. And I think that is a beautiful choice um, for these athletes to choose. I, I will be remiss to also bring up Taylor Swift, who did a whole documentary and who also has stayed very quiet up until the last USA elections, had stayed yeah. very quiet around her political beliefs. And she shares that story again very personally, that she was told young women who are in this industry do not, not speak out, know your place, be a good girl. And she talks about having spent her whole life being a good girl, making people happy, making people proud. And so I think there's an interesting thing here with Osaka, with Marcus Rush, but there's like something interesting when it's a woman versus a man, because mm. I think women are often told, know your place, handle the thing that's been given to you, don't try and do too much. And so I thought it was very powerful when, and we spoke briefly about Taylor as well, but when she did not stay and she broke her silence. And I, I remember that bit in the documentary where it was basically four dudes, including her dad, telling her this was a very bad idea. Bad idea. Do not get Trump behind you. You're going to lose fans. You're going to lose supporters. And so what that brought up for me was, wow, how the times have changed from, and I probably said it 15, 20 years ago, I, you're a ballet dancer or you're an, a singer. I don't want to hear your political views. I just want to be here to enjoy your music. But I think the whole world has shifted. Yeah. And I think social media has had a huge part of this of, fuck it, I have a platform, I have a voice, and I can directly talk to my fans and make a difference and change the game. As you were saying, change the game. Um, but that drive to want to... I think to go back to the very first question you asked, right, of like, is it their responsibility? Mm -hmm. I don't think it's and it's their responsibility. I think that drive, if it if you care, if you if if it's there, then you actually have a unique opportunity because you're given a platform. Not get given's the wrong word. You absolutely have to work for it, but like you are you are given an audience that will listen to you. Yeah. Because so of what you, you're good at. Exactly. Yeah. Because of what you're good at. And so if you want like David Beckham is is the biggest version of that to look at right like he mm. has gone from being a man united football player to being the club owner now of a football whatever it is miami something or other but also 
one of the most charitable human beings has how many foundations mm. has done how many campaigns in fashion and did the world cup not world cup um olympics bid with the royal family like just has done and been involved with everything because he has that platform and that came from him being a football player who happened to marry posh spice <laughs> can't believe those two are still together i love it it brings so me much. deep joy <laughs> joy <laughs> little parenthesis so let me put it another way i got not told off that was the wrong word but i did something today i shared um a story about the fact that we've lost uh, the last white rhinoceros and it's not actually... And I shared that story of like... And I was like, oh, fuck, I can't believe this this animal, this species has been around for 55 million years and all of a sudden, like, it's, you know, it's, um, it's extinct. Technically extinct. And someone who works in that industry was like knocking on my, you know, Instagram door going, well, I'd like you to read this first before you post more about this and read the full thing because actually there's way more to the story, which is the animal actually went technically, and I'm doing, um, what's this, inverted commas? Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah? Um, technically in, it, extinct last year. And the problem is the only rhinoceroses that are left are female, which means they won't be able to reproduce, but actually the tech, the, the science community is full on it of trying to figure out how they can do IVF so that these animals, so it's actually not a done, it's not actually that simple that rhinoceros, there are still some that are alive and it isn't completely extinct. And I was like, fuck, I love that. But what she was basically telling, what, no, actually that's not what she was saying. But what I heard from that was if you're going to talk about a topic that you actually don't know that much about, do a little bit more research, please. Because yeah. some of us have no way more about this. So maybe tap the experts. Again, I'm reading way more into this. That's not what she intended, but I did get like that little warning. And so long-winded to sort of say, how comfortable are we that these athletes are then talking about things that are way outside of what they would normally know about, i.e. Taylor Swift having a... Oh, politics is a different one because I think everyone, I believe everyone should be excited and interested in that. But think about Marcus Rushford, who then has an opinion about how kids should be fed. And, and I can, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but how much do you really know about that topic? If you're going to stand on that stage, do you have all the facts? Are you the right person to be talking to the public about this? So I think we're going to see an interesting dialogue. And I think the naysayers, that's what they jump onto straight away with the know your lane. There are experts that are running the country, leave them to it. But I actually find there's something very exciting because it's something I think you and I have been trying to do with this podcast of. So what if we're not an expert? I'm allowed yeah. to have an opinion. But what does that mean when that opinion comes with a large audience who is listening to your every move? So I'm just wondering if you've got thoughts around that. And I'm still digesting what my thoughts are around that. Like, what's your responsibility to having opinions when millions of people are listening and watching? I think if you fuck up, you'll get checked real quick. But I think if you if you have an opinion that you believe to be valid, open your goddamn mouth is honestly how I feel about that. Like, and I think the Marcus Rashford one is is a hard example to put in that because it's like starving children. He was once a starving children, right? Like, so he has a lot of experience in it. So that one's tough. But like, I am trying to like get into my head of like another example. Fuck. I mean, I was gonna bring Lewis Hamilton with Black Lives Matter. But again, he has first, he is the only black driver to ever drive in 70 years in Formula One. He is the only black driver currently on the grid. Yeah. Of course, he has fucking opinions about black people being murdered in the streets of America. Of course he does. How can he not? That's my thing. Open your fucking mouth. You will get checked real quick. But if you care enough, open your mouth. With Lewis, it was interesting because he wore 
one day he was wearing a bunch of different t-shirts like you know yeah. black blm movement black and he wore one day the brianna taylor mm-hmm. t-shirt I a powerful picture, but he got checked for that of that's that's politics. The Black Lives Matter movement wasn't, and his and his amazing team, the Mercedes team, have been standing behind him every single day. They've been very vocal that everything that Lewis stands for is not actually even political. It's about lives. Again, like Marcus Rashford, this is about starving children. Yeah. These are about black people, people of color being murdered in the street. This is actually not even political at this point. It's like fucking human nature. Um but it was interesting that the FIA, the governing body of Formula One, had a lot of issues with the Brianna Taylor T-shirt because that was very political um, because I think her trial was going on. Um, and so I just remember looking at that and going, fuck, where do you draw the line? Yeah, I don't think Brianna Taylor is political either, personally. I think in this way, it was the context. It was at the time, the I, I believe her case was being looked into at the time. Um, I don't think it's political, but I found it interesting that that they deemed to be a step too far. And that's the governing body. That was the governing body. I think that was a fucking... We will have specific t-shirts that you can and can't wear. And God, didn't we see it a couple of years ago with, you know, taking a knee, not taking a knee, you know? Yeah, fucking Trump. God, he had a platform. How we got here. Yeah. He, I unfortunately saw a video of him recently from the North Carolina um, State Party fucking convention and god he is coming for us in 2024 he is coming coming and he is the perfect example that i find of someone who said to what is it he said i like taylor swift 50 25 less now because she's he is the perfect example of someone who would say stay in your lane yet he is not a politician by trade he is so far out of his fucking lane yeah which is the irony yeah big irony actually it was interesting because when i started googling this question that's been top of my mind so i started googling it something along the lines of like should athletes use their platform and it auto-completed to to discuss politics <laughs> and i was like oh i cannot be the only one that's been googling should oh, athletes yeah. use their platform to discuss politics that it auto-corrected as i was in uh, but, number four of that sentence like i think i actually don't have a problem with a footballer or a tennis player or a fucking cricket player whatever coming out and saying i support this candidate i'm a democrat i'm a blood like and what if a football player that you really love comes out and says something that you fundamentally disagree with what does your perception there i dislike i probably dislike whatever that thing is but they're they're a football player like i'm watching them for my if it also depends on the gravity of what they're saying right like obviously yeah um but if it's in the lens of i'm political i i endorse the next conservative mayor of london i don't personally align with the conservative party in the uk i'm not gonna be mad yeah like they're people let's go back to the conversation i think we had like Six, seven weeks ago when I was asking, like, do you look at someone for who do you, do you look up to someone for their whole self or do you look up to someone mm. for the thing that they're really good at? Um, yeah, we and I do about think that in depth. Which is interesting because it comes like full circle of that conversation. And I'm still not sure yeah. where I stand, but I am with you on this that I have actually deeply appreciated 
whether it's athletes, whether it's singers coming out and saying, hey, by the way, I struggle with mental health. There's nothing perfect about me here and and creating that awareness there. And I do think there's something interesting. Again, I think it's like the relic of the past of this, like the press and the media of liking to show these people as incredible humans that they can tear down the moment they make a mistake. And I think we're coming to a new era right now where it's to your point I'm gonna fuck up yeah I'm gonna have an opinion I'm gonna voice it and if it's wrong or if I'm said I've overstepped or said something stupid I'm gonna be I'm gonna be checked real fucking fast Tom Brady came out what did I miss god no years ago um okay I can't remember the exact year but he came out in support of Donald Trump and it was like oh god uh uh-oh this is bad (laughs) and then this is bad I want to say like two weeks later he came out in in a press conference saying like i'm gonna listen to my wife from now on and i'm not gonna talk about politics i'm just that's a smart way out of football because my wife's cool (laughs) Uh, but in america as well if i want i can go and see that tom brady donated a hundred thousand dollars to donald trump's campaign same with bill belichick great like Mm. it's very easy especially those athletes who are the higher echelon yeah, billionaire vibes that are donating either to a political party in the United States or a candidate or a candidate that is publicly available information. If anyone wants to find it, federal election, fec.com. Tom Brady, in all of the people that we've named here, it's interesting Tom Brady is probably the exception. Um, but what I was going to say before you brought up Tom Brady was... It's interesting how all the people we've named are part of a minority in one way, shape or form, either very young in in a sport or a woman or a person of colour or a black man. And it, it pains me that as society has evolved and as we've, there has been more diversity and inclusion, yes, obviously the people who have spoken up are the people who said, hey, there's something wrong about all of this. Mm. Like this, this shouldn't be the norm. And so it's, it is those peoples who have had to use their platform in a political way to do the, what they believe to be the right thing or to raise awareness about a thing that we might have been blind to. We, I'm just saying, sort of like, you know, the middle-aged white man um, yeah. would have been like, I don't see what the problem is here. And I think Serena Williams might have spoken about this at some point of, holy shit, not only are we expecting them to perform at the highest level possible, but on top of them, on top of that, we are not asking of them, but they are obviously stepping out of their way to also carry whatever burden it is that they are carrying to do good by the things that they believe to be true. Mm. Um, and what that weight must be, what it must be, um, what it means for Lewis Hamilton to not only go out there week in and week out and perform and be hated by many, many fans because he is different, but also hated because he, oh, here he goes again, talking about social justice. Of course, here he goes again. His people are being fucking murdered. Like, how? There's just something there about, like, that I just never thought about until I was listening to you talk. The piece around, I don't know, the, the language you actually use there of, like, we don't ask that of them. Yeah. I think the we in that is interesting because there is... The, yeah, I don't know who the we is actually in that. Well, but there's the immediate we, right? Which is like the people who have hired you, the people who you have, who are working around you, whether that be your managers or your promoters or whomever. There's that like immediate group. Then there is the team, if your sport is team, 
where you actually have to answer to them. There are like rules and laws around what you can and can't say if you're representing Manchester United, like whatever that, all the Patriots, right? Same shit here in American football. And then there is the like media and then there's the general populace. And so I think it's going to vary from every player, every athlete as to what level they care or want to give to each of those like individual buckets. Yeah. Like, and then there's also the piece on the actual sport itself. Like if I think about runners, like athletes that are runners who their thing is the Olympics, right? Potentially like that's the gold standard of what they want to do. And so they aren't in the press because no one actually is going and fucking filming the track that's happening every week that they go and run on, but they're an athlete. And every four years they have a platform but they don't really have the ability to do a lot with that platform because they're bound to what the country is saying they're allowed to do and what sponsorships they're allowed to have and how they're allowed to speak and what they're allowed to wear and whatever the hell it is. I don't know. This is something. Oh, that that whole piece there, social, that layer of the economics of it, the business of it, and God, you and I know this very, very well. Of you, there's certain things you wish you could just say, but you can't. Even as an employer of a company, you are re- you represent something that is bigger than you. So even though you know the right thing to do is do X, you know that you cannot. Um, well, and that's that's really important. If you think that you can financially do it, if you can say something and say fuck it, I don't need the hundred thousand dollars a week I'm getting paid as a footballer then I will go out and I'll fucking open my mouth. And I think that is why change takes so much time because a Serena Williams now, a Lewis Hamilton can speak up with no issues. And they have, and it's funny how people have said, now they're being vocal. Of course, now they're being vocal because they can support their lifestyle. They're at the top of their fucking game. Their sponsors and that industry and that those federations need them more than they need the Fed. And so of course you, it's like, None of it is pre-scripted. I think none of it is meditated, but there's a, it's like when you're at security. a company. When you're a, it's security. When you're a junior at a company, yeah, this this whole thing of just like stand up for yourself and say the thing and like stand up to your to your boss, never gonna fucking happen, especially not in America where it's fucking at w- employment at will. Everyone and you can get <laughs> So there's that there's that element there that I think is really interesting. And I think it's the same for fucking Taylor Swift. So there's something really interesting there to your point that sometimes you have to wait for the right moment to and talk. when it's appropriate, <clears throat> like when is it actually appropriate for me to do? Because I bet you if Marcus Rashford had done like children in the summertime not having meals has always been a thing. But if Marcus Rashford came out in 2019 about kids going hungry in the UK, I don't believe it would have picked up as much traction as it did in 2020. Like that, that timing, that moment, being able to do it with a, it's it's crisis comms. Like what we're talking about is crisis, it's about, it's crisis, um, crisis comms and and branding and personal branding. And boy, oh boy, to take us like full fucking circle to like episode one of season one. The woman who has been very fucking transparent about this is Jamila Jamil, who said she never had a desire to be in the public eye, had least of a desire to be an actress. Um, But she has been very vocal in saying that by being an actress, by being now a public figure, by making this amount of money, by having this security, she can talk about the shit that she has always wanted to talk about and be an 
100% activist on body dysmorphia and body shaming and online bullying and protecting women and their sanity. And she has been very open about that, that, yeah, I'm absolutely using my career as an actress to drive this. I have no desire to be an actress. I enjoy doing it, but it has never been my life goal. Uh, which I love because I used to make the assumption of, oh, look, washed up actress, can't find job anymore, now become activist or now has the money. Like that was very, very naive, very like ill-informed um, perception of, okay, now she can afford to do it. But, but some of that is right. Now she right. can actually yeah. fucking afford to do it. And, she has, and I have a couple million followers. So now is absolutely the fucking right time to use my microphone um, and there's something so fucking exciting in there to me, Sorsha. As we get more women doing this, more people of color, more non-binary, like there's something really fucking exciting that I think is going to be jolting to a lot of people because I think we're going to hear a lot of voices and a lot of opinions. And I hope that we don't come to a place where the loudest voice wins. That's the end of this episode. Thank you for listening. And if you do feel inclined to do so, please give us a review. This is absolutely what will help us grow. Thank you. Thank you.